Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Interviews After Hours. I'm Jacob Blazer. And I'm Tyler Mason. And our guest today has been doing some pretty cool stuff in the FPV world, a lot of Cinewhoop stuff that we're going to talk to him about. Nick Lang joins the uh, Interviews After Hours show. Nick, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to be uh, on the show. You guys interviewed a lot of uh, great pilots, so it's cool to be a part of this. Yeah, awesome. No, we were excited to have you. Tyler and I have actually been mentioning you a few times over the last few months, and you were on um, one of the World of Drones episodes of one of ours. I can't even remember if it was mine or Tyler's or who it was, but um, yeah, no, we're, we're really impressed with what you've done over the last couple of years, especially. Um, I guess my first question is, where, where all did this happen? Where did it get started? Uh, yeah, so I started uh, in you know, the drone world um, in 2015. Um, I saw a video, I was working for a small production company and I saw a video that was uh, over a spillway. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, wait, how did they get a helicopter that low? And then it got lower. I'm like, it's gotta be like a jib or something. And then it just like went right over this boat. I'm like, all right, what is going on here? This is crazy. It's something I've never seen before. And then, you know, I found out it was a drone. And at the time, you know, drones were $100,000, you know, with everything you need to get, like it was crazy expensive. Uh, so the production company I was working for, you know, we didn't have the budget to get any kind of like drones, um, equipment, you know, or anything like that. Um, then that company actually downsized, so they didn't get enough clients. So then I moved on to freelancing for a little bit for them and then for some other companies. And through that, um, I started working for a show in Philadelphia called, All, called Articulate with Jim Cotter. And it was a PBS show. It was the first season. Uh, we had a lot of freedom. We built an entire interview studio out of an old squash ball court. Uh, in, upside, in a mansion in Philadelphia, it was crazy. But um, so the producer was like, we got to make this something that PBS, you know, is really going to wow the audience. That's not, you know, people aren't used to on PBS. And I was like, well, you know, there's this thing called a drone out there and it's pretty crazy expensive, but you know, I don't have one. And he's like, oh, I actually have a drone. Uh, you know, I can't fly the thing, but you know, I, you're more than welcome to try it out. And my eyes lit up. I tried to play it cool. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. I mean, I've heard they're pretty cool. And this was after like a year of me obsessing about it. Uh, so it was a Phantom 1 at the time with the GoPro Hero 1. And um, I took it home and I, you know, really learned, learned the drone because at that time you had a manual actually and there was all these lights to tell you, you know, if you have enough GPS and everything like that. And you had no OSD, no video feed, so it was all line of sight. But I just did this video around my apartment and, uh, you know, put some weird color effects on it and um, stabilized with warp stabilizer, brought it in. And he's like, this is great. Like, we can do something with this. And um, at the time... Uh, DSLR pros started to come out with the, the cinema packages. So like the Kane cinema uh, package by DSLR pros, uh, they were flying the Phantom 2 and the uh, H3 gimbal with the Hero 4. Uh, so that was like the first time that I got like an actual production drone. Um, and from that, like I just became absolutely obsessed with it. Um, I was doing a lot for the show, uh, but the, you know, the, the thing that I was enjoying the most is actually getting the aerial shots. Um, and yeah, just really really you know fell in love with that uh you know that style of filming and i always saw it as a tool too because you know I was shooting regular groundwork um for the show and for freelance um and i just became obsessed with it and then actually what happened was um i got so obsessed with it that i actually i said you know i think i want to actually go on my own and kind of like see this you know see what's out there full-time just drone so i approached the show producer with this idea and I said, hey, look, you know, I think I, I think I gotta, you know, move on and I think I'm really gonna focus on just the aerial side of things. It's so new. And he was like, well, let's make a deal here. So like, uh, you know, we don't lose you right away. So, so he basically, he, uh, he said, if I stay with them for another six months as like a freelancer until they like, you know, got, got another uh, guy to come in, 
he would basically give me that drone. So I was ready to just say, hey, I'll go invest in my own drone. And he said, like, take this drone, use it for our show, you do great work, uh, and then, you know, use it for your own freelance work. So from there, I started Nick Lang Media in 2015. And, uh, you know, it's all basically uh, using a Phantom 2, and then the Inspire came out, and then the Inspire 2 came out, along with, like, the Mavic 2. And I've just kind of, you know, followed that path like most people. Um, and then the FPV stuff for me, FPV was always kind of like the hobby, like, you know, side of things. Like I loved flying drones commercially, but like there was something about racing that it, it didn't feel like work, right? It was like, you know, you're out there and you're racing, you're getting an adrenaline rush, you're, at, you're, you're meeting all these amazing people. Some of my best friends right now are in the FPV community. And um, that's where I really, really like, um, you know, just really enjoyed that side of it. Um, but at the time, you know, no one was doing real steady stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. No one was, um, you know, doing anything real cinematic with their drones, uh, with their FPV drones. But I always, when I was flying a tiny loop, I always told myself, like, once we get to a point where we can put a high definition camera on this thing, we're going to be able to, it's going to be, you know, I hate to sound cliche, but game changing because like, you're going to be able to put a camera anywhere, you know, without having a huge like production jib, steady cam, like you can fly through doors. And I always had it in the back of my mind. And uh, it's funny, actually, um, I had this like thing on my uh, fridge uh, that I just like called like fly through tours or something. And it was basically this idea to do like real estate tours and like uh, regular tours using, you know, an FTV aircraft at the time, nothing really existed. And then of course, you know, masterminds out there like Andy Shen, when he came up with the square two, I was like, boom, like this is it. This is exactly what I was looking for. Uh, I went all in. Um, I had the original real steady, which is if anyone has used the original real steady, you know, uh, users of real steady go are very lucky. Let's just say that because firstly, they have a very high end PC or Mac to use it. And the rendering times were crazy. So like I would have a minute clip and I'd render it. And if there was one issue, I wouldn't even find out for another five hours and then I'd go back. Um, but I got, I got, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer of like being an early adopter, being in the right place, right time. And I told myself specifically with the FPV side, I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes, just put out a lot of content um, because I found that that's, you know, the recipe for success, really, if you want to get your name out there, you just have to keep, keep posting, um, you know, keep putting your name out there and then really just showing clients a good experience by, with using FPV uh, because, you know, some of the guys that are coming from racing world and they don't really have a production background. So there's a learning curve. Um, it's not difficult, really just like, you know, just how do you, you know, um, work on set, how do you work with the director, how do you work with a DP, uh, that whole workflow. Uh, and once you learn that, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, really valuable tool. And it's still exciting because it's still very, very new. So I'm still, you know, I have longtime clients that I'm now able to say, hey, check this out. I just got this new drone. It's flying a GoPro, but look what it can do. Uh, look what we can stabilize. We can stabilize it. Uh, it's definitely got its place in cinematography. So that's where I'm at currently. And um, the racing side, I make a lot of drone documentaries, actually, like that's um, uh, my, like, you know, my passion is filmmaking. So the first like intro to drone racing, I just started covering a bunch of the events. So I have like 30 mini documentaries on just races I've been to. Um, and I was never really, you know, the guy placing first or second, third in the uh, drone racing. And then I found uh, wing racing. So like wing racing for me, that's where I was like, this is this is what I, I, I enjoy this more than I enjoy anything else, uh, flying any kind of drone, uh, something about it, you know, you, you can't just like stop midair. You have to keep right. flying, going through massive gates. Uh, the community is amazing. 
Um, and it's something that, you know, that's still the hobby side of it, which is exciting. Right. You mentioned being an early adopter and uh, flying the Phantom 1 with the GoPro 1, which we've talked to a lot of people who started out on, I think the Phantom 2 is kind of most people we've talked to, that's like as far back as it goes. You might be the first one that flew the Phantom 1 to start out. Um, but between well, that, oh, go ahead. I was going to say it was the Phantom 1, but then as soon as like I, I took the Phantom 1 home and I showed it to the producer, then we, we, we invested in the Phantom 2. So it was right when the Phantom 2 came out. So I might have been like a month before the Phantom 2. But you, at least, you had it in the air, at least. That counts, yeah. But yeah. My, uh, I guess my, my question is, so you, you mentioned being an early adopter of, of that and you know, some of the FPV stuff too. Uh, when, you, when you are kind of tinkering around or playing around with these technologies, are you thinking about, you know, how can I make this better? Are you, are you a tinkerer just by nature at all as far as that kind of stuff goes? No, I think, I think it's actually a misconception, actually, because uh, I get a lot of people messaging me, you know, send me your PID, send me your rates, like, how do you do this, how do you do that? And I'm, I'm straight up with them. I say, hey, look, you know, I enjoy the flying side of it. That's my expertise. Right. You know, you give me a well-working drone, and I'm going to do, you know, what I do with it. Uh, so I actually rely on other people to build my, my quad to start out, and then I fix it. So, like, if there's anything wrong, um, I can, you know, fix it, of course, and replace motors, ESCs, all that stuff. But I, I believe in, like, having someone that's better at me than building to give me a good base. So I use uh, Quad Standard Labs. Uh, Troy Naquan, he's, you know, he's well-known in the community. Um, <clears throat> the first squirt I bought was from, like, the Flyno shop, and I think he was actually working for Flynosers at that time. And he branched out to start Quad Standard Labs, and we connected, and he makes amazing builds. So um, when it comes to like tinkering, I think like the only thing that I really, really can like say to people like, yeah, this is like my settings or whatever would be like the expo and the rates, because if you're flying a cine whoop, you want it to be, you want it to feel kind of heavy. You don't want the throttle to be too, too sensitive because you know, you're, you're flying through, um, you know, very, very small openings. So you don't want it to be too touchy. So it's totally different flying than racing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I tell people like, look, there's, there's people way smarter than me figuring that stuff out. Like, go to Bardwell's YouTube channel. I guarantee you, you type it in, you're going to figure it out. Um, but it's cool that people actually hit me up. Like, that was something that's, that's been kind of new for me with the FPV stuff. Like, I think it's fantastic that, um, that I get messages. And I just tell people, like, look, it's way easier to, to give me a call. Like, let's spend an hour on the, on the phone. And um, I, you know, helped a lot of people get started, sent them to, you know, where to buy your drones, um, how, to, how to get started commercially. That's a big question for a lot of the guys that are just in racing. Uh, they say, you know, how, like, how do you market? Um, how do you get the word out to your local businesses? Um, so I'm the first one to say, look, this community is, or this industry is so small right now that there's tons of opportunities out there. And the one thing I learned being in the early adopter for like just regular drone cinematography is you, you don't want to be that guy that's like, you know, just like, oh yeah, you know, hire me, or, you know, I'm the best, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's just not who, who you want to be in this industry at all. And it's like the egos and some of this, you know, some of the egos in this industry are, are, are pretty big. So like, I've always told myself, you know, don't be that. Uh, this is drone racing still. This is still the coolest thing. Anyone that's making any kind of money off it, you're absolutely blessed. You know, we could be doing a lot worse things than this. Um, so yeah, it's kind of been totally cool. I started an education company called, uh, or an education program called Team Flight Control. Uh, so I found like a love for teaching people how to fly. A lot of the events that I covered, some of them were um, demos for kids. And I just found like, I really enjoy showing somebody how to fly FPV, whether it's a Tiny Whoop, um, Mavic, whatever they start with. <clears throat> and from there, you know, I said, you know, I, I want to do something with this. So I created Team Flight Control, um, still early stages. And with Corona, of course, you know, it's kind of been, um, you know, slower a little bit. But yeah, it's exciting that people, you know, reach out to me still. 
So you mentioned, you mentioned how some of these have been used for tools. And I think maybe the biggest tool out there is the Cinewhip or is the, is the Shenzhen Squirt. Um, I wanted to ask you a little about the real estate side of things, because when it comes to real estate and dealing with realtors, they want things now and they want the new and they always want to be ahead of the competition. So is that something you, you tell them like, hey, um, fly-throughs are the newest thing to real estate or is it something you really have to, you know, maybe show them once before they, before they, um, before they bite? Yeah, it's 100% they have to see it because there's a misconception when I, when I actually promote a fly-through to someone, they instantly say, oh, it's like a walk-through or it's like, uh, it's like a Matterport tour. And um, I say, well, it's kind of like that, but it's all one continuous take and, you know, I'm flying this micro drone. And as soon as they say drone, I know where their mind goes. Their mind goes to, my nephew bought a drone and it's yeah. still up on our tree. There's no way you're flying a drone in my house, you know, right. that I'm selling tomorrow, like that I'm listing tomorrow. There's no way. So it's a lot of like um, building up trust, really. So like, you know, some, some realtors, it's just not right for them. Like, I, it's funny, I'm in some realtor groups now on Facebook and I'll post something. And I get people like, this is crazy. It's making me nauseous. And like, like, oh, it's, you know, this will never, you know, do anything. And like, I don't know why anyone pays for this. And it's like, all right, whatever. Like, you know, it's yeah. not for you. It's totally fine. Yeah. But to be honest, though, the first ones I did, it was just on original real estate. So it didn't have a rising lock. And I look back at my first real estate video and I'm like, all right, that makes me sick. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but I usually tell people like, you know, I, I say to realtors, it is something extremely new. Uh, the real estate market loves new ways of filming. Um, it's something that it's, it's been done so often, just a regular tour, um, that real estate agents are actually always looking to do something new. So how I explain it to them, I say, you know, when you see a regular real estate video and it's cutting between the rooms, you never really know how the rooms are connected. Like if you see like a, a the kitchen and a close-up of the sink and then the next shot's the dining room, well, you don't know if it's an open layout. You don't know like how they got to the dining room. So I usually start by saying like, let me walk you through a fly-through process. And I tell them, you know, I walk, I, I go in, I check out the, uh, the, the house, um, and then it's all one take. So that really means that you have to be a really, really good pilot because you, if you mess up on the third floor, you got to start the whole thing over. Um, so, you know, I, I tell, I, there's, there's uh, the realistic, you know, like I tell people, um, you know, if it's, a made, if it's a mansion, maybe it's two batteries and we might dip to white, dip to white. But usually what I do is I do an outside shot with one drone cut to the inside drone with 95x and cut to the backyard um and honestly when you were saying about timelines and stuff or like you know expectations the real estate world they need a video and they need it now so yeah. really what i tell them is i say i'll do a same day delivery so if i have one or two houses in a day i will tell them that they'll get that video the same day because i basically have a workflow that i get to the house and i'm there for an hour on location and then my editing process is exactly an hour as well uh, so it's really two hours of my time um, and then the uploading, of course. But um, but yeah, with Real Steady Go, that's kind of made that possible. Um, and yeah, and everyone's like, oh, well, it's kind of like a 360 tour. And I say, yeah, but if you ever tried a 360 Matterport tour on a PC or a laptop that doesn't have great internet, it's kind of a pain. And like, you're not going to get the full resolution. Right. And it might take you 20 minutes to go through the whole house. But a fly-through tour of a house is really meant to like, engage the viewer to then click on the listing and then um you know go through the photos look through all the details that way but um you know it's it's interesting getting into getting being one of like the only guys in my area doing fly-through tours for real estate agents because uh i have i have real estate agents like this is the coolest thing ever oh my god like check it out this is great and then i have other people like this is not for me so it's it is what it is and i take what i can get
with whether it's with the real estate, uh, you know, kind of fly throughs or other fly throughs that you do, how much ahead of time are you kind of planning out what your what your flight path is going to be, or is it? Um, do you try to kind of for, for houses? Do you kind of try to stick to some sort of formula where you may be showing you know the, one of the main rooms first, or how, how do you kind of map that out as, as you're getting ready? Yeah. So, well, with Corona, actually, part of my marketing campaign was telling you know real estate agents I don't even have to step foot in the house because there was a big concern of you know <clears throat> with all the Corona stuff going on, you know people don't want you inside their house. Right. So I actually one of the biggest things I I tell people is I can do the entire video <clears throat> from standing outside on their porch. Um, sorry, let me just switch here. So you know, with um, digital FPV or DJI FPV, like I can stand outside and get a clear signal. Um, so I've got, I've done enough now where I kind of know the flow, but really what I look for is if it's an open layout, um, I make sure that I show like each side of the room if possible, because you don't never want to fly in a room just like just going forward and then going right to the exit. So like I start my turns like really early. And then like, if you look at my, my real estate fly throughs, I don't post a lot on my channels anymore because the real estate agents do it. I just don't want to flood my own channel. But what I do is like I have each room just one big yaw basically. So like you're always focusing in the center. Mm -hmm. And then if it's like a kitchen or something and it's an open layout, I'll go through the kitchen one side, like, you know, maybe focusing on the left side of the room. And then if I go through the dining room and opens back up to the kitchen, I'll go into the kitchen again and I'll focus on the other side. So sometimes it's a circle, sometimes it's a figure eight. Um, but yeah, it's super important to like, you know, not also the speed, like you have to really have your camera angle at zero. Um, and I shoot at 60 frames, so I'm able to slow it down a little bit, but then I have one client in particular that wants the 4K. So I'm forced to shoot 4K 30, um, which uh, real, it doesn't have a 4K 60 for real steady. So uh, I have to fly even slower. So that's probably the hardest thing is like when you're flying, it feels slow, but really like it's, it's not that slow. So you have to go like slower than what you really think. But I usually do, I mean, sometimes I'm lucky and I get it honestly in the first take. Like I've done it enough where I'm just like, okay, this is the house. I've seen this layout before. Here it is. Um, but usually it's like, you know, two or two or three batteries. And honestly, it's, it's fun while I'm doing it. So like, I'm like, all right, well, if I got three batteries and I don't have another job for a day or something, I might as well kill these batteries and I'll go another round and make everything. And, but, um, but yeah, it's really just in and out an hour on location. You mentioned um, just the FPV community and answering questions and how great it's been. It hit has there been somebody even five, six years ago that you really looked up to or you wanted to sort of mold your, your flying like? Um, I think there's, there's a few. Obviously, you know, Gab 707, when, when I, I remember seeing that video uh, going up the mountain, and that's, that's one of the first times that I was like, this feels like a movie to me. And, like, I always knew, like, all right, this is going to be in, you know, film someday. But that particular scene, I was like, all right, this is would pass in a James Bond film. Like this is definitely something that, you know, I could I could see Hollywood easily adopting. Um, and then um, um, Blaster, of course, uh, John Durst. You know, him and I were on a um, a, a panel for our both of our films were in a film festival, a DC drone film festival. And uh, I remember being on the panel with him, and uh, they were showing some of our videos. And at the time, like the video that I that was of mine was of the Phantom Two. It was just like this water company and it was like, uh, you know, all their different locations. And like, I look at the back and I'm like, it's boring, whatever. Cause FPV is just so cool. And his video was like in uh, the Moab de desert or something yeah. like that. And I, and I was just like, I was sitting there. I'm like, I was like, this is the coolest show I've ever seen. This is amazing. This is so cool. And then like, I was on the panel and what I noticed was that in the crowd, there was these directors and like the director was straight up going to Johnny. They were like, they're like, John, uh, 
what you did there, like, uh, it was fantastic, by the way, fantastic. Like, we might, the other guys just might not as well even been there because it was all just so focused on that amazing video, and it was amazing. So, like, that was, that was a huge kind of kick in the butt, too, to, like, all right, you got to start doing this. Like, the technology's out there. Um, you know, I firmly believe in early adopters. So, yeah, those two guys really, um, you know, they huge, huge inspiration. And then, of course, like, the OG Macintosh, like, Robert Macintosh, um, you know, he, he's kind of an unsung hero in, in the FTV community because he's not really on in the online community as well. He'll pop ups here and there, but um, I had a chance to meet him uh, at DC or at New York City Drone Film Festival a few years ago. And uh, at the time, he was he was already decasing GoPros, and yeah. it was all a big secret how he did it. No one knew like he could even do that, and just flying through that little ring um, in that uh, uh, whatever beach, that Venice Beach. Venice Beach? Yeah. yeah. Um, so. That obviously, and he's a creator of Real Steady, so I've been able to talk to him um, a few times with troubleshooting the original Real Steady, and then with the Real Steady Go, I'm always telling pilots like, "Look, this is the easiest way to to get you know your footage smoothed out quickly. Uh, get Real Steady Go, uh, you know." Um, so yeah, yeah, those guys, and of course like Nurk, you know, Nurk, you know, is is another guy that um, you know his vlog his vlogs are fantastic. Like he really like shows like you know the behind the scenes of like some stuff and like, hey, here's the equipment you need. And like, you know, some of the, the tours he does is fantastic. And of course, he's one of the best racers in the world. So like, I'm always, uh, and not envious, but I always look up to the racers really, because like, I know what it takes to be an FPV professional racer. Yeah. And like, it's not something that you can just go from tiny whoop to center whoop to racing, right? It's all a whole different mental game and everything. And like, I've been in that world and I've, you know, the, the wing racing is, I'm, I'm lucky to, you know, to, to place in, in those races, but drone racing, man, the, tech, uh, the competition is just absolutely outrageous. Yeah. Um, so to be at the top of the game in that and to be someone that's creating content is, is a huge accomplishment. So, yeah, those four guys usually are at the top of my list. Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty good, com uh, pretty good list of names. And you're right, Robert McIntosh is kind of a man of mystery. Nobody really knows all that much about him. So I've, I've never personally met him. I've obviously seen his work, but uh, yeah, he's... He's someone who kind of keeps a low profile, which I think is how he liked it. But, and he's, yeah. just, he's just a humble guy. He's a nice yeah. guy. Like, yeah. And that's yeah. the best thing you can have in this industry is just to have zero ego. You're just, you know, one of the guys that's lucky enough to fly drones for a living. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, like there's no need to, to have any ego about it. Right. I was going to ask you about, uh, you, you mentioned Real Steady and Real Steady Go. Uh, we mentioned the score too, but what's your gear typically like for, a, you know, an average fly through that you do? What, what kind of things are you, are you using on your quads and, and all that sort of stuff? So when I originally started, um, well, I first started with the Fino Shop, just the squirt that they built for me. Um, it was a squirt, and then it was all analog. And then I actually had a job, uh, the classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, PA. There's this huge 336,000 square, uh, 336, square feet facility um, that has cars in every single you know, room. It's just this huge mall. And I had an analog set up at the time. And that was the product that I was like, wait a second. I'm not ready for this. Like, I'm, there's no way I'm flying above these cars. I can't see their antennas, lose signal. So right at the time, I then switched to the uh, digital FPV. And um, I had um, Quad Standard Labs uh, build me a geyser. Because at the time, it was just the air unit. Um, so the geyser was kind of the best uh, fit for that. Um, so I did a lot of tours, actually, with the geyser. So people that see that uh, uh, classic automall video that, fortunately, went a little bit viral like car and driver reached out to me i was like what this is insane uh so it's got a lot of views but people the biggest comment is like 
what the hell? Like, I can't believe you're flying above all these cars. Oh my God, that's about, like, that car is worth is $100,000. And like, you know, people, people are always amazed that it's, it's the geyser actually. It's not even like the micro uh, 95X or anything. It's, it's literally the bigger Cinewoop style. Um, but yeah, now, now when I'm doing fly-throughs, I if it's indoors, I'm 100% all about the, uh, the 95X V2, or the 95X, I don't have a V2. Um, and the, the DK's GoPro, um, Hero 6, just like, I mean, it, it really just, it's, it's so similar to flying a tiny loop. And like I said, I'm obsessed with flying tiny loops. So I'm the guy, just like every other drone person at right. the family parties, like flying around, zipping around. Uh, you know, I've done a ton of videos of yours, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's so similar to that. Like, you're, like I, I'm used to flying in really, really tight corners. So that when I tell people like, how do you do this? I say, start with tiny loop, get used to that. That yeah. spatial awareness when you're flying through something to know like you know you can actually go through that space and not worry about it um but yes uh the beta 95x for indoor stuff and then the blaster uh by x hover for any kind of like outdoor freestyle stuff i did something in the woods um with some dirt bikes a huge ramp um that was done with the um, the blaster frame six inch and then the geyser is for like outside if i'm flying around talent and then the squirt is that middle ground. Like if it's inside, uh, I can also go outside a little bit. Um, but everything now is switched to digital FPV. Um, so I highly recommend anyone that's doing this stuff because what it does is really allows you to take off and fly from or pilot from anywhere, which is a huge thing when you're when you're on set and you don't have time to spare. Like you might not have time to say, all right, I need to walk, you know, 500 feet that way because that's the best signal strength I'm going to get. And then you might be in the scene or something like that. So like just having the freedom of of having that range from the digital FPV systems um, is really, really exciting. So I can't wait to see, you know, I know DJI is, people hate on DJI. I mean, like, it's not, like they, they are the, you know, billion dollar company. So right. they're gonna make better and better and better. And eventually this is also a hard pill to swallow for some people, but they're gonna get to a point where they make a DJI FPV drone right. and it's gonna get to a point where their little sensors that avoid things are gonna have like the ability to detect something inches away instead of like, three feet away so yeah. like be prepared for that that's why i always say early adopters get in it now don't wait because at some point it's going to be flooded just like the regular uav market is going to be guys doing jobs for 25 dollars. like it's just going to get to that point yeah. but I don't, know. I don't know when that's going to happen but yeah. yeah on that technology point um something we haven't been able to talk to any of our guests about um is light shows you were a part of a light show a few months ago in philadelphia what all went into that? I saw you were flying over them as they were preparing on the football field there. That, that had yeah. been a pretty cool um, project there. Uh, so I've done a few of them uh, across the country where I've just kind of documented them. And one of them, uh, one of the companies actually Verge Aero in Philadelphia. And they're good friends of mine, actually, because, you know, they're obsessed with drones. Uh, and um, they, they, they started back in the same time I did. And there's always been this communication like, hey, Nick, what do you think of this? And like, what would it be like if we could make all these drones talk together and like do stuff. And I'm like, that sounds cool. I mean, yeah. I don't, yeah, cool. Let me know when it happens. And like, I've always been like, uh, you know, keeping in touch with them. And now they've got a system. Verge Arrow has basically like a turnkey solution for a drone light show. Uh, so that's the one that I was filming that you're, you're uh, referring to because then, you know, when the COVID shutdown hit, um, they wanted to give back to the area and they said, uh, we want to, you know, donate basically a drone light show. So they, they did that. Um, and I, I, you know, offered to do the behind the scenes because like I said, I'm someone that believes in, you know, showing your value to somebody. And I said, look, I can make this documentary for you guys. 
Um, I can make it, you know, as a marketing tool for you guys to use. And um, I got to see the behind the scenes of that. So those guys literally have a program like it works almost like Premiere, where you take the shapes, you drag them on a timeline. And their whole thing is they want drone light shows to be something that, you know, a production company can buy the software for and do on their own. Like they're not looking to be the only, uh, you know, show in town. They want to actually get to a point where they're helping other people and they're buying their equipment and stuff. Um, so that was fantastic. I mean, those guys, like I said, they're some of the smartest people I know. Um, and it was really, really cool just to see the reactions of people and just to see like, it's something you've never seen before. Um, cause we forget in the drone industry, like drones are so like normal for us. Like it, it, people, people really don't realize that the FPV community is still very small. So drone light shows is just another way to show, you know, the masses that like, check this out. This is something that is, you know, extremely unique, extremely cool. Uh, and it's coming to, you know, your town. Uh, there's, um, you know, tons of opportunities for that. Uh, and it's just something that I, I mean, anytime I'm around drones and filming, I'm, I'm happy. So I was happy to be a part of that. And uh, I did a quick turnaround too. That's the other thing, like anyone that's doing any kind of production work, if you really want to separate yourself, uh, learn how to do something like in the same day or like learn how to do a quick turnaround because I knew that that, just that story would kind of take off. So I told Vergero that I'd have like a minute um, highlight reel uh, the next morning. So I stayed up all night after the show, put out the one minute, and then I put out the full production and I got, you know, a little bit of views that way. Um, and then I made like the 13 minute documentary about it. But um, yeah, it's the drone light shows are super cool. <laughs> now I know you've done a couple of weddings too with the Cinewhoop stuff. Uh, no, we've seen drones for weddings, like kind of camera drones. I've done a few, I think Jacob's done a couple, but how do you see kind of moving forward? Cause we don't, haven't seen, at least I haven't seen a ton of, you know, videography, wedding videography with the Cinewhoops. How do you think that is kind of going to evolve and move forward here? Yeah, weddings are a little tricky. I usually tell the bride and groom, like, first of all, you don't want me flying during the ceremony because that's right. usually the first either misconception or request. They'll say, um, can you fly during the ceremony? And I'm the first right. one to say, yeah, drones are cool and all, but I'm not going to take away from your wedding day. Right. Um, so what I found is specifically for like a fly-through video, um, I, I offer something to the bride and groom to say, hey, if you want this kind of quick 15-second social media video, um, I can take time during the photo session and I'll do a quick line of well, you know, flying and then um, um, I'll, I'll, pr I'll post it that night. Um, but while everything's going on, I'm looking for that line. Like I'm looking, I, I show up for like two hours. I, I usually tell couples I'll be there for two hours. And it's usually right around the photo session. And what I'm doing is I'm really just scouting the area and finding my flight line. So um, by the time that I'm ready, that they're ready, um, I have everything ready to go. And that's something that, again, you know, you have to be, you have to have a lot of stick time because you don't have a lot of time when you're doing some of this, you know, these shots. So I tell people it's not going to take that long. Um, I don't want to be in the way of the photographer, the video it's videographer is really a dance. So I tell everyone up front, um, I have, you know, the flight line. Um, I'm going to wait till everyone's kind of already in the ceremony or already in the reception hall. So I wait for that little five minute gap where everyone's kind of already in the reception hall and the bride and groom are out wherever we are. And then I fly around, I put their names with some graphics and they get it that day and they, they love it. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's new. Uh, I posted in a few groups. It's, it's so new to like wedding videographers. And it's just interesting to see people that are just not used to it. Uh, so they're like, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe you like did this. Like I would never do this with my drone. And then they find us an FPV drone and all that stuff. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's great. In the wrong hands, it's going to be an unprofessional experience for people. Uh, it's going to be crashing in the trees or like, you know, flying over someone you're not supposed to. But if you really take the time to understand that this is a very, very serious, like, 
you know, thing that you're, you're about to embark on, um, you get better and you, you work with your workflow, you understand your limitations, you understand how, how to tell people, look, I know it's a great idea, but I just can't risk that kind of thing. Let's do this. And, you know, that only comes with experience because if someone said, oh, do this, do this, do this, and you're just excited, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then you find out, you know, you're pushing your limitations. So it's really just managing expectations and then delivering. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I like to work with small businesses, really. It's the other thing that there's a misconception that if you're a drone guy, you only got to be working in Hollywood. And, like, you know, like you're only made it if you've done, you know, major motion pictures. And with the COVID shutdown, you know, most productions, well, they're getting back up now. But there's a huge gap. So I always, you know, relied on um, my production background and still providing overall videos for small businesses and then just using drones as a tool. Yeah, I love it. So that sort of leads into my, my last question for you. What's next then for you and Nick Lang Media? Do you have any ideas? What's your like two-year plan, three-year plan for where you want to, you see yourself being in the next couple of years? Yeah, so uh, my company is Nick Lang Media, but you know, that's just really, I did that because it was freelancing and just like, you know, it was just easier for me to do that. And um, I don't really think of myself as a big company. I, you know, I don't have any employees or anything like that. Um, so my next stage is really fly-through media. Like I really, I've kind of like, you know, want to keep running with the branding that I've come up with fly-throughs um, and really just kind of focus on that um, and still keeping, you know, my regular production, you know, going. Um, but I might, you know, I might, I might be changing my name, you know, it's a fly-through media instead of Nick Lang Media, still keeping like the emblem and stuff. But I kind of want to maybe do some rebranding um, because I just fell in love with flying, you know, FPV drones so much. It's so unique. It really takes a lot of skill time. So I feel like it's a good niche to be in. Um, so I'm going to kind of keep that going. And then, you know, the introduction of these big, heavy cine lifters, uh, they're coming out like, uh, again, of course, you know, uh, Andy Shannon and, you know, the team there, they're making some amazing, amazing frames that can hold, um, you know, uh, pocket cinema cameras, GH5, and then the red Komodo, which is insane. Um, and that's really exciting. I think that's, uh, if I had all the money in the world, I'd be, there'd be one, you know, in my office, but, um, you know, I'm, I, I gotta, you know, get to that point and invest in that at some point. Um, but that's, I, I see that. And that's the other thing too. Like I know it exists, but I still see the, the forums talking about, oh, I had this issue. Or I had this issue. Or I had this issue. I really feel like if I'm going to be buying something that's going to be flying a high-end cinema camera, I'm going to be on an official huge like set. I can't have anything go wrong. So I'm still not like hundred percent ready to buy it today. I mean, I, I probably could, but I still like that people are always coming up with new ideas, even with like the cheese plate that Gab recently came out with. You know, like that's, that seems like a huge um, step in the right direction. So um, I'm eager, but I'm not like gonna pull the trigger today. Um, but I, I totally see that is the future of uh, high-end FPV cinematography is someone that can fly that. And then um, even even the duct one, it's the Shendrones uh, was called Insider. Um, with just going indoor shots and just having those prop guards around it to make the talent feel safer. Uh, it's huge, huge step in the right direction. My last one for you is we've talked about some of the cool things you've flown through and places you've flown through. What's maybe a dream location for a fly through video for you? Oh man, dream location. Well, I've, <laughs> I've been kind of like selling this to, or not selling it, but uh, I had the opportunity when I first started getting into the drone world to be on Richard Branson's private island, the Necker Island. Oh, wow. I covered a tennis tournament for like seven days. And like, it was a crazy story. I don't have time to say, but basically one of the guys got sick. So it was literally me as the only videographer covering ground and air. And I was just supposed to do the air for like free, basically, because it's freaking Richard Branson's private island. You're not going to say no to any budget concerns on that. Uh, but they had so many people going that it would turn out to be a free gig. But anyways, um, uh, I've been pushing to, to fly there with the new equipment that I have. 
So that is on my list of a dream opportunity to fly on uh, Necker Island, um, just to you know show the beauty of that island, um, and really just the just to get to a point where um, it's just like I'm known as you know fly through media, fly through guy, whatever. Like I really really enjoy flying FPV and like regular DJI drones. Everyone has the same story. You know you do enough work, it gets repetitive, um, but there's something about being in control of an FPV drone that. I, I honestly feel comfortable saying I'm never going to get old. Even if I'm on a, a job that's just flying around doing a tour in a school, I'm still having a blast. Uh, it's so um, uh, personal because it's literally just you in control. There's no camera operator. Um, it's so, it's just an extension of you really. So that's where I, I find myself doing a lot of is the uh, FPV stuff and hopefully Necker Island at one point. And then just getting bigger and bigger jobs with bigger camera platforms. I think Richard Branson would have some money for a little bit of a budget there for a videographer. Well, that's a huge misconception. It's not coming from him either. It's usually the the the, the company that puts together the whole event. Okay. Like they have they have people like submitting bids. Like, look, we are the best production company in California right now. We will do this job for free because we want the footage. Right. So I was in that category of that, and then I got lucky just to be brought on. But it's a misconception, man. Like that that week <laughs> was the hardest working week of my entire life. We were eating in the kitchen, like between meals, I was just like, I was exhausted, climbing up all these hills, uh, total misconception. But the, the guy's great, he's totally down there, it's cool, everyone there is super cool. Um, but yeah, that money wasn't coming, coming my way. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, no, dude, keep up the good work. Thanks again for joining us here. It's been something we've been wanting to do here for the past month or two, so it's, it's great we finally connected. And um, yeah, um, is there anything else you wanna add before we sign off here? Oh, no, just like hats off to you guys. Like, you know, I, I really love that Airviews has decided to make an actual, you know, website that's dedicated to drones. It's fantastic what you guys are doing with New York City Drone Film Festival. Um, I think that this is one of the hardest things to do is actually to, to be a platform that just specializes on drone cinematography, uh, drone cinematography. So what you guys are doing, man, hats off because it really is something that gives us pilots something to look forward to. You know, anytime you guys post something, it's, it's a, it's a pride, you know, it's a proud moment. It's like, oh, cool. Like, that's awesome. Like that's a nice uh, tip of the hat uh, to everyone out there. And I know I speak for everyone. Uh, Airviews is you guys are doing a great job. So you know, keep it up, and uh, thanks for what you guys do. Well, we appreciate that. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, it was a great catching up with you, and uh, we always look forward to seeing what you're putting out there. So uh, as Jacob said, keep it up, and uh, thanks again. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Nick.